It is a daily discipline. It is made up of daily choices uh, that we make and uh, our responses in those choices uh, that we make. But I want to emphasize it's daily discipline. It's, mo it's a moment-by-moment -moment experience. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit so quickly. We learned that. All right, and we can even quench the spirit by resisting or uh, procrastinating, doing things like that. We can grieve the spirit, and uh, we certainly don't want to do that. You know, we are seeing uh, computers do so many things in our lives, uh, in our daily activities, and uh, it would probably be difficult for someone who did not grow up with technology but folks who are growing up with technology, it's as natural as about anything, all right? How many of you remember uh, the TVs that had the remote control that came with a long cord? You remember that? Man, you had this big old snaky cord coming across the living room, and you had, but you had a remote control, all right? Uh, okay, and wow, when, when we got rid of that cord, uh, and then we were able to have a remote control, and we could do that. I remember uh, our youngest son, um, he was kind of scientifically minded anyway, but he would sit in the living room, and he'd aim the remote at the mirror on the wall, to turn on the TV, <laughs> and I used to think, you're nuts, you know, but th that was the way he would think. He would, he said, he's gonna f flash it off of the mirror. Uh, but uh, we, we've grown accustomed to a lot of these things. I remember um, when uh, our pastor in Springfield, Missouri, back had a lavalier mic, but it had a long cord on it, and he walked all over the platform, and he'd grab that cord and flip it and snap it and move it around, and so when we got to the wireless microphones, that was really something. That was amazing. And we enjoy so many wonderful things. But just stop and think. Um, the Iraq War, how did we get in there so successfully and so swiftly? Well, we used um, con computers to control their radar, and uh, we just turned off their radar. All right, everything looked normal to them, but we had turned off their radar. And we just marched and flew right in there and, and uh, caught them completely by surprise. And then, of course, uh, a number of years ago, you may remember that uh, we were able to hack into uh, Iran's centrifuges. And we were able to go in there and uh, cause those centrifuges to literally just fly apart. We weren't there, but we were able to control it from great distances like that. Um, thinking about our automobiles, all the features on automobiles now, you got avoidance, uh, uh, collision avoidance in front, you got blind spot mirrors on the sides, and you got cameras in the back, and you've got uh, protections if, if you've got a lateral traffic coming behind you as you're trying to back up. Um, it's got sensors on uh, your cruise control now, uh, it's totally adaptive, and you don't have to reset it every time you hit the brake. It automatically slows down and goes back to the set speed. It's a marvel. It's a marvel. And, uh, but when it comes to controlling us, that's not our nature, is it? Um, any of you have Alexa at home? I'm okay, I'm, I'm, okay, we youngins do, okay. Uh, but uh, uh, that's fun to have around. You know, it's fun. You can say, hey, Alexa, turn off the light, you know, or turn on the light or um, 
good morning, Alexa, you know, what's today going to be like? What's the weather today? It's, it's kind of fun to play around with stuff like that. But as Christians and as humans, our human nature is we don't want someone to control us. We used to play a little game. We guys, we would uh, lock hands like this, and we'd, have, we'd do thumb wrestling. Any of you ever seen anybody do that? Yeah. And if somebody pinned my thumb down, I thought I was going to go crazy. I, oh, I didn't like that at all. It just bothered me a lot. So I, did, I wasn't very good at thumb wrestling because I didn't like to lose. Uh, but uh, we don't like other things controlling us. And so that's why it's important that we understand that it's a moment-by-moment decision to yield to the Holy Spirit's control. And we're going to try to emphasize how important that is for you to live beyond your capacity. You probably have heard this quote before, but when D.L. Moody was a young man just starting out in the ministry, he heard a preacher make this statement. It re, uh, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man that is fully surrendered to him. And D.L. Moody, it, it said that that night, D.L. Moody said, by God's grace, I will be that man. And history records that his ministry was very influential. It shook, uh, it shook two continents, and uh, over a million souls came to Christ under his preaching, and, um, and so God did use him. And the Holy Spirit desires full and absolute control in our lives. And don't forget, that's God dwelling in us. And so we are his vessel, and a vessel is best used to contain something, all right? And we are his ambassador, we are his mouthpiece, we are his voice to the world, and it has to be his strength, not ours. And so it's reasonable, as your verse said this morning, it is reasonable for a Christian to surrender and present their bodies a living sacrifice, not a dying sacrifice. God wants living sacrifices because he needs you to represent him in your daily, your daily routine of life. He needs you to be an example and represent him before friends and family. And so as our verse says today, uh, today Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of the mercies that we have enjoyed as Christians, as believers, having our sins forgiven and having a home in heaven, it is reasonable that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. In other words, you've set yourself apart from the world unto God, and it is, an, it is acceptable unto God. Your life, your, your conduct is acceptable unto God. These are reasonable services. And we're told to be not conformed to this world. And uh, you've heard that uh, described as not being pressed into the mold of the world. So be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God. This is where we learn to think like God thinks. <clears throat> and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I Years ago, I put a 
uh, sign on the wall. I just made a big sign. And um, I, I put God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. I had a little check mark out there besides each of them. And I, I just I wanted the young people to understand <clears throat> finding God's will for their life was good, acceptable, and perfect. And uh, that's what we want to leave you with this morning as well. The Holy Spirit wants to bring transforming power into our lives. He wants to make it obvious that you know the Lord as your Savior. I have to get a throat lozenge here, I guess. <clears throat> but look at John chapter 10, verse 10. It's in your book, all right? So we've talked about the introduction, um, uh, but uh, in John chapter 10 and verse 10, uh, what chapter is John chapter 10? Do you recall? This is the Good Shepherd chapter. Jesus is identifying himself as the Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd, and I give my life, and the Good Shepherd gives his life uh, for the sheep. Excuse me, but notice what it says. The thief cometh not for uh, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's talking about the sheepfold. He is the door to the sheepfold in that chapter. And he's describing a thief who would come in some other way, not through the door. And their purpose is to steal, to kill, to destroy. But notice the wonderful promise. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. What a promise. You know, <clears throat> it's, it's a tragedy to see uh, some Christians uh, walking along with their hands dragging on the ground. Oh, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm the most miserable of all. Uh, that's a tragedy, all right? That's certainly not God's will for our lives. Now, that doesn't mean he won't bring hardship in, or allow hardship into our life. But uh, as, a, as a rule, the Christian should enjoy an abundant life. Not, don't think dollars, okay? Think of the fullness of your life, the blessing, uh, the presence of God. All of those things are important, and that's the desire of Jesus Christ is that we would have an abundant life. He promised that. That's a promise. So we want to be sure to remember that. The simple principles of living a spirit-filled life, although that's not an easy thing, the principles boil it down to something easy uh, to practice. And it's, a, it's, a, it's necessary for us to practice his present moment by moment, and we're going to look at that. Um, I, I think this is a quote is in your book as well. Charles Spurgeon wrote, The greatest crime of sinners is to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And the greatest fault of saints is to neglect the Holy Ghost. So after we finish these, this, these lessons, and my, you've learned a lot, haven't you? We've all learned a lot about the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our lives. Will it end with just us knowing all the things that the Holy Spirit desires to do in our lives? Or will we, uh, will we do more than that? Will we desire to experience the things that the Holy Spirit desires to do in our lives. And if we live up to our capacity, beyond our capacity, it's up to us. And the first step is yielding, surrendering, and choosing to fellowship 
with the Holy Spirit. So in our lesson today, there are the three uh, commands regarding our response to the Holy Spirit. They are commands, all right? So Roman numeral one is to be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. You have Ephesians chapter five and verse eight, uh, 18 in your book. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Now, why would he put that in here? Why would Paul mention that? Be not drunk with wine. Well, alcohol is a controlling drug, all right? It controls the individual. If they were to be honest, they would never behave the way alcohol causes them to behave, all right? Um, and so Paul is telling them, uh, do not be controlled with wine, but be filled or controlled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a command. And that's what we want to focus on today. Being filled implies you had to empty something to make room to fill it with something. All right? Um, and so being filled with the Holy Spirit is an act of emptying myself of known sin and of yielding myself and inviting the Holy Spirit to fill me. And it's an act of the will. It's an act of surrender in prayer. And mark this, it is not a sensational uh, act. It doesn't provide a feeling or an exhilarating experience. It will never make you loud and offensive. It will never make you overbearing. In fact, it doesn't cause you to draw attention to yourself at all whatsoever. All right? It's an inward filling, and it's, it's your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls it dying to self. All right? So it doesn't make you, you don't get up on a desk and blow a whistle to draw attention to yourself. This is, there, keep in mind, it's not an exhilarating experience. It's not a feeling. Don't draw on what you know about some charismatic experience. That's not being filled. That's not what being filled with the Spirit is. You're going to learn that today. Remember, it's dying to self. Paul reminds us of that in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, which you have in your lesson. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Then we come to Romans chapter 6. Now, Romans chapter 6 is a great chapter, and it covers a number of things. And in particular, here in verses 12 and 13, it's talking about who we yield to. All right, and so let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now verse 16, very, very important, all right? Paul is trying to make it clear to the Romans, don't you know these things? He says, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of 
uh, obedience unto righteousness? Don't you know that whoever you surrender yourself to is going to control you? And that's the principle that we want to emphasize today. We have to choose who we're going to yield to. Are we going to yield to self and flesh, or are we going to yield to the Holy Spirit of God? And most Christians do not willfully choose to walk in the flesh. Let's give ourselves that much credit. You did not get up today and say, today I'm going to walk in the flesh. None of us would do that. We don't do that at all. That wouldn't be our heart's desire, not at all. But you know how we end up there? We end up there by default because we haven't purposefully committed ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so we end up walking in the flesh by default because we didn't deliberately yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Some people think that being filled with the Spirit is a mystical or complicated process. It's not. It's a daily decision. And you'll see letter A, it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of choice. It's up to us. Being filled with the Spirit is a daily decision. Just as you stood in your closet this morning and said, well, let's see, what am I going to wear today? You do the same thing. Let's see. Am I going to be filled with the Spirit of God today? Well, I think so. All right? I wouldn't want to leave the house without my pants. All right? So I don't want to leave the house without the Holy Spirit having control of my life. And so it is done every day. We begin every day by consciously and verbally yielding to the Holy Spirit. I think all of you are familiar with, uh, if you're leading someone to the Lord, we often will lead them in what we call the sinner's prayer. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible other than those who cry out, God be merciful to me, a sinner. There is, when you go to Bible college, there isn't, you've got to learn the sinner's prayer. That, no. That's something that we do to help the, the, uh, the unsaved person come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we want to make sure that they are verbalizing what they're doing, all right? And so if we were dealing with someone about receiving Christ as Savior, and we asked them, would you like to ha know that your sins are forgiven? Would you like to know that Jesus has forgiven you and saved your soul and is preparing a place for you in heaven? Yes, I would like that. Would you be willing to pray with me as we, as we ask the Lord to do those things? Okay. And as we would pray, we would go through, I like to go through the four steps of salvation. You know, I know I'm a sinner. There's a penalty for sin. Someone loved me enough to pay my penalty. And Jesus said, He's the one that paid the penalty, and he's willing to forgive me and save me, and his righteousness can be become mine. And so we include that in the prayer. Would you join me right now as we model a little prayer that we could pray every day? Would you do that? If you're not willing, that's fine, okay? But I'm going to model a prayer, and you repeat after me, all right? Just like we would do in a sinner's prayer. Let's practice, all right? Holy Spirit of God, thank you for being my comforter and guide today. As best as I know how, I yield myself to you right now.
I ask you to fill me, control me, lead me, and guide me. I need you today. I choose to be a servant of righteousness. I choose to follow your call. I choose to live in the spirit, to be spiritually minded. And I ask you to have complete control of my life as I serve you today. Let me ask you a question. Did you believe that Jesus would fill you with the Holy Spirit if you asked? All right. Did you feel anything? Okay, you can reserve your answer because that's point, that's point B. We'll talk about that in a minute. All right, but you understood that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to control your life. He wants to guide you into all truth. He wants to guide your decisions and your steps. He wants to give you an abundant life, and you ask him to do that. You chose to do those things today, and you asked him to fill you with the Holy Spirit of God. Taking an action like that um, is um, a daily acknowledgement and surrender to the Holy Spirit that helps us to, de uh, to, uh, to develop the mind of Christ. You see uh, Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we begin a day with uh, praying something similar to that, making conscious choices and decisions and asking God to fill us with his spirit and to guide us in, uh, in the minutia of the day's events, he will, all right? The Christian life is not a marathon. It's a sprint, all right? And we go from one life event to the next. And we can change in a moment, can't we? We can st stumble and trip and goof up, and we have to remember that we have to respond. I ask you if you felt anything when we asked the Lord to fill us just now. Well, uh, B is a decision of faith. Fill, uh, being filled with the Spirit is not a feeling. It's a faith decision. You ask for it, you yield, and you accept by faith that God is going to do what he promised he would do. And the moment you yield to the Spirit in faith believing, choosing to walk with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit throughout the day, Jesus Christ is going to answer that prayer regardless of how we feel, all right? That's the point I, I wanted to emphasize this morning. We went through a simple little prayer. We could pray something similar to uh, every day and physically, verbally, consciously yield to the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord to fill us, regardless of how we feel, he's going to keep his word. Look at uh, in your book, Luke 11 and verse 13. If ye then, being evil, and of course he means uh, we're sinners, if ye then, being sinners, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give to the Holy Spirit? Uh, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And you may not feel any differently 
more than likely you won't feel any differently uh, throughout the day, but let me tell you what to do. At the end of the day, review your day. Review the decisions you've made. Review the responses you had to situations that you faced during the day. And then ask yourself, how did I do today? That's when you recognize, you know, it had to be the Spirit of God that kept me from flying off the handle. I don't want to be one of those guys that rips the quarterback's head off and beats him with his own helmet, do you? All right? Don't want to do that. All right? So tonight, I'm going to be able to go to bed and say, how did I do, Lord? I didn't beat anybody in the head with their football helmet today. All right? Uh, I, made, I made a good choice with that. All right? Uh, but I'm just using that as an illustration. And so review at the end of the day. Thank the Lord, because as you begin to review back, you'll see the hand of God in your life, and you'll see him controlling your spirit, and it's a great blessing. See, it's a repeated process. It's, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. It's a moment-by-moment -moment lifestyle. All right? Oh, good. It's up there. It's a moment-by-moment -moment lifestyle. These are your conscious moment-by-moment -moment decisions. I was looking for something this week, and I was going through a bunch of uh, thumb drives that I had, and I was looking for a particular file, and I stumbled on something. I thought, what was this? And when I looked at it, I realized it was a quote that I had typed up from uh, Stonewall Jackson, I was, I was reading a biography about Stonewall Jackson, and I was impressed with this quote, and I thought, well, hey, it'll go with our lesson today. So um, it begins, the, Thomas J. Stonewall Jackson was a strong Christian, and he did this every day. His wife recorded his comments, and he said, I have so fixed the habit in my own mind that I never raise a glass of water to my lips without lifting my heart to God in thanks and prayer for the water of life. Then when we take our meals, there is the grace. Whenever I drop a letter in the post office, I send a petition along with it for God's blessing upon its mission and the person to whom it is sent. When I break the seal of a letter just received, I stop to ask God to prepare me for its contents and make it a messenger of good. When I go to my classroom at the Virginia Military Institute and await the arrangement of the cadets in their places, that is my time to intercede with God for them. And in every act of the day, I have made the practice habitual. The procedure was when the cadets entered the room, uh, they would go in quietly, stand behind their, their seats or their desks and wait for their orders. And they knew that Stonewall Jackson was praying for them at that time. And when he would finish, he would look up and he would say, tell them they may be at ease and be seated and begin the, begin the, uh, the, 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 la the class lesson. But every cadet knew what he was doing at the beginning of that class period. He was having prayer for them in that moment. And so it, it impressed me so much, I typed it down, and um, amazingly, I found it. And so uh, last week, we learned we're not to quench the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us and encourage us in regard to something in our lives, we need to respond. 
And we certainly don't want to go so far as to grieve the Holy Spirit by procrastinating and saying, okay, but I'll get to it, all right? Let me do my stuff first. We have to learn to get beyond that. So being spirit-filled requires moment-to-moment sensitivity. It's not like a New Year's resolution. That's not what it is. Oh, January the 2nd, I blew it. I'll try again next year. No, we can't do that. It's a moment-by-moment decision, and the moment I realize I've stepped out of line, I've stepped away from his control, I need to confess it and repent from it, ask him to restore me and fill me and forgive me, and we need to do it the moment we recognize it. And uh, he invites us back. He wants us back. He wants that relationship restored. And he, he may be the one who's bringing it to our attention say we need to fix this all right and we want to be sensitive to that living in the spirit requires a quick response to sin and you'll say mr crane i've tried this i've tried this but i i just never seem to see it work in my life don't listen to the accuser okay don't listen to the accuser when he says aha you're a failure You can't be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Nobody can. Listen, any reasonable person would tell you to just, just doing the best that you can is enough. Just do your best. You gonna listen to him? Are you going to ignore all the promises of God? God says, I'm going to be right here with you. We're going to walk together. And we're going to fellowship together. And you're going to enjoy an abundant life and live beyond your capacity. Don't listen to the accuser. Don't let him um, control your life. Roman numeral two is to walk in the spirit. And this is an interesting term. We might not have ever really spent much time thinking about it. All right. But um, it is a daily walk. Walking is something that we do every day. It's something that we don't, we take for granted until we realize we can't walk as well or as easily as we have in the past. Uh, But we just jump up and go. We don't think about it. We just get up and walk. But walking in the spirit is the natural result of being filled with the spirit. Walking implies to march in step to march in step with, to fall into rank, or to conform to the virtue of. Abraham Lincoln looked out uh, from the White House as he watched the Union troops try to get organized. And he was greatly dismayed when he saw confusion among the men. There was no order. He called his generals in and said, you've got to get control of these men. They've got to be in order in everything that they do. And so, instead of marching like Gomer Pyle, they started marching in step. And I remember when I was in college, I had to take Army ROTC. And guess what they had us do? They had us march, of all things. But you find out that marching in step is the easiest way to move a group of people. Have you ever, well, if you go to Walmart, if you take your normal walking cadence, there's going to be somebody that's not going to walk that fast. 
or at the same rate that you are. And so it's very frustrating when all of a sudden you're taking partial steps, okay? And that's what, was, that's what Lincoln was observing, all right? And so when we get everybody moving their feet at the same time, we can all move together as a mass. One thing I also remember from reading that biography about um, Stonewall Jackson was the incredible distances that they traveled in the course of a day. It was amazing the distances they covered. And they covered it in silence, they covered it um, covertly, and uh, it was an amazing thing. I would just scratch my head and think, how in the world uh, did they move those distances in that amount of time? Well, it's the way you walk. It's the way you walk, all right? And so the Bible often speaks about walking with the Lord, and you have these in your book. Uh, Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And walking in the spirit boils down to our everyday choices. Our day unfolds and we'll face a myriad of circumstances and emotions and thoughts and feelings and desires and decisions and possibility. And walking in the spirit is developing a discipline to be listening to him and to be obeying him in all of the smallest things of life. A lot of people will say, I don't pray about things like that. Don't. You're shortchanging yourself, and you're, you're <clears throat> taking joy away from the Lord. He wants to be involved in those little things that affect our life. The Spirit's interested in what you think about. The Holy Spirit's think, uh, interested in what you listen to, or what you watch, or what you read, what you say, how you act, how you spend your time. And in every possible situation, we have to choose, am I going to walk according to the will of the flesh or am I going to walk according to the will of the spirit? This was a profound statement. In every possible situation, we choose between walking between the will of the flesh and the will of the spirit. And did you know that um, a messed up life is a culmination of a lot of messed up decisions? And a blessed life is the result of a lot of good decisions. It's that simple. And so when it comes to uh, walking in the spirit, don't think anything is too small for the Lord's attention. He wants to be involved, he wants to help. And then Roman uh, letter B, a dangerous neglect. We talked about Christians are not always just making conscious decisions to walk in the flesh, it's, that's our default position. All right, and so we have to be proactive and make decisions and choose to walk in the spirit. And so we, again, remind you that it's a moment-by-moment -moment obedience on our part. And God delights in the fact that you remember him and include him in the smallest of decisions, in the smallest of uh, uh, Queries. You wonder, I don't know what to do, Lord. I need some help. 
He delights in that, that you remember him. Jeremiah 2 and verse 32, what a wonderful verse. This is a verse that's worth um, uh, meditating on. Jeremiah 2.32, God says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. How heartbreaking is that? God is a God of love, and he loves our presence. That's why we were made. That's why we were made in his image. He wants to express himself to his created beings who are created in his image that will have the emotions that he has that he can enjoy us and we can enjoy him, all right? So if we dismiss something as no big deal, we're making a bad choice. Let's make every decision one that includes the Spirit of God. Uh, D.L. Moody, I have a quote here, I don't think it's in your book, but D.L. Moody said, a Christian who is not living in the power of the Spirit is living below his privileges. And so let's not live a life of less when we can live a life of abundance. Let's make those choices. And you know, if you're walking with the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to more readily hear him. That's very important as well. <clears throat> if you begin your day with the Holy Spirit and you ask him to fill you and you consciously make decisions, I, I wanna yield to you today, I want to follow your leadership and your direction, I want you to fill me today, equip me for what you have for me today. I want to be ready uh, for the day, and I want to walk with you throughout the day. In your book, you have 1 Corinthians chapter 2.15, and these are uh, some five very convicting words. But he that is spiritual, that should be said about us, all right? If we're going to be spiritually minded, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we have to make those moment-by-moment -moment decisions. And we need to say, let that be me. That's who I want to be. I want to be one of those people. He that is spiritual. And finally, pray in the Spirit. You know, if you ever take a walk with a friend or maybe your spouse talking is very natural. In fact, you might find uh, that you do a, a whole lot more talking while you're walking than when you're sitting at home together. So walking is naturally conducive to conversation. It's a natural out, uh, outgrowth of walking in the spirit. So we're told to pray in the spirit. That's our third point. And you need to recognize that it's a spiritual weapon. And you see Job I mean, Jude 20, there in your, uh, in your book, it's on the screen. But, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Notice, building up yourselves. It's a personal responsibility. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 and 19, this, of course, is the armor of God chapter in the book of Ephesians, and Paul concludes that section in verses 18 and 19, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and you can read the rest of it there. But God commands us to pray always in the Spirit, and that's in verses 10 through 17. And so <coughs> it's important that we understand that being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit is naturally going to result in praying in the Spirit. And that's what we want. We want to be able to pray in the Spirit and have contact with heaven. And B, it's a continual conversation. The command compels us once more to enter into an ongoing and intimate communication with the Father by the Holy Spirit. And if we do these things that we've talked about today, it will bear fruit. And you will enjoy an experience that the Old Testament saint never enjoyed. We have a rare and wonderful privilege. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Are you serious? We have that access? <clears throat> yes, we do. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's an amazing thought. You remember in the book of Esther, it was required that she was going to have to go stand before the queen, uh, the king <clears throat> because her people were being threatened and were going to be killed. And what was her answer? If I perish, I perish. That's not the way it is with, the, with God. The Holy Spirit invites us to come to the very throne of God through the Holy Ghost. And that's something we should not dismiss. Um, it's important that you also understand that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. And so some people erroneously pray to have more of the Spirit. That's not possible, all right? That's not possible. He's omnipresent. Every one of us in here have all of the Holy Spirit. The problem is the Holy Spirit doesn't always have us. And so we need to reverse our prayer a little bit and say, help me to give you more of me. That's what I want to give you. This is how I learn to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so you see in the conclusion of your lesson, these three principles that will help us enjoy an abundant life lived beyond our capacity. One, be filled with the Spirit. And we showed you it was a deliberate choice. It's something we personally choose every day throughout the day. And then walking in the Spirit. That's our moment-by-moment -moment choice to hear His Word and to obey Him. And finally, praying in the Spirit. This is where we enter spiritual warfare in a partnership with the Holy Spirit through ongoing prayer. I remember somebody got upset with me because one time I said, some days I don't even say amen because I just keep talking to the Lord all day long. Oh, I, I, you got to be saying the word amen. I mean, that's, 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 I said, what is it? Well, I don't know, but it's not proper. I said, that's okay. He knows when I, I'll let him know when I'm done. Okay, all right. So that's what the spirit-filled life is in a nutshell. And God, uh, our job is to give God control every day, obey him in every moment, 
Learn to speak to him continually as your closest friend. And that is a spirit-filled life. And I hope that you'll covet that more than anything else.